Whether it be in the New South Wales Ranges, Riverside and the Northern Territory, above treeline in New Zealand or Colorado, or in the tundra of Alaska, Hunting Camp is where the best stories are shared. Join me as I bring some of these stories to you, along with tips and techniques from some of the known and not so well known hunters of Australia and around the world. Welcome to Hunting Camp Down Under. That's the go. Yeah, I buddy. We um, obviously I'm sort of half coastal here, so we um, we're planting ryegrass and everything for the for the um, for the winter crop. So I run. Okay. I run uh, my father-in-law's um, dairy cattle here. Like I got all these heifers and stuff. So yeah, right. So I got it. We're about 120 well, you acres. Have, you might have told me this. Where are you based to? Mate, mate? I'm um, sort of mid north coast in New South Wales, so Port Macquarie. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm about, oh, about oh, sort of 45, 50 minutes south of Port Macquarie, and um, yeah. yeah, mate. So we're sort of high rainfall area, like Great Divide, sort of just behind me here. So we're on the eastern fall, so we're sort of coastal. But um, yeah, so we don't get any, we don't sort of have any fee because as soon as we get frost, so we're all Kaikou based out all our stuff. So yeah, and um, as you know, sort of as soon as those frost hit, mate, she's gone us. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's nothing. So uh, well, I wasn't sure whether you'd you'd get frost that high, like getting getting that high up. She still gets cold enough to frost, does it? I wasn't wasn't too sure. Yeah, no, I'm um. So we're only we're only sort of 150 meters above sea level. So okay, and plus yeah. I'm down the creek here, so uh, creek. I'm pretty much. Oh, I'm nearly I'm nearly built on the secondary flat, more or less. So uh, she gets bloody cold down in here. So. We um, I got a couple of photos on my Instagram there that mate, she's just white out. We don't like, we're not up in the hills to get snow or any of that kind of stuff. But yeah, just that yeah. real coastal fo- frosty sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right we're on. we're where we are here in SA. Like we're um we're pretty coastal as well. Obviously um, but for us the coast um because the the breeze is generally we, we've got no range or anything in front of us from the the coast. We're down yep. on the flat. Yep. Uh, and we're only, I think, 30, 35 or fifty feet above sea level where we are. Like we're oh, fucking really? super low, um, and so we don't actually get any frost at all, which sort of benefit, like, helps us with our cropping. A lot of people further inland, they get, they do get better rainfall in some spots, um, or a lot of the spots there are um, better rainfall than us, but they get smashed with frost a lot of the years, and yep. and we always get away with it because it's sort of. Um, I think it comes off the coast and the air doesn't ever get too cold where we are, but yeah. yeah. So what are you guys mainly planting? You are like you loosen or you what are you dry crops or? Yeah, we dry crop, but uh, wheat, barley, lentils, chickpeas yep. um, is got um, got this year. Make sure that doesn't. Yep, close my um, screen went black. I didn't want it then. <laughs> I still got yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so a lot of lot of wheat, a lot of barley, and and definitely uh, a lot of lentils and stuff. That's where. And we've been making some money lately, but um, yeah, no, no loose where we are. Just not quite the rainfall. I don't yep. think. Yep. Um, it's pretty. Yeah. Not. I wouldn't say not marginal, but there's definitely better land than what we. You know, higher rainfall areas. Yeah. Um, then you head over the east coast to where you are, and we we just would be in heaven. Over there. <laughs> yeah, but I guess I our stuff's funny here. Like out, like we got pretty good soil, but it's funny. Like obviously most of my hunting's done sort of over the range, you know, as, as you've probably seen now, all the New England, Upper Hunter, all that kind of stuff. Like they yep. get half the rain we get, but 
mate, they got feed. As soon as they get a shower rain, they got twice the amount of feed of us, and it holds on. So pretty much, if yeah. we don't if we don't get rain in six weeks on the coast, we're we're goners. Like it looks like it hasn't rained for six months. It wow. just disappears that quick. Yeah, it's really weird. Like it's just not that kind of like, the soil's good, but it's not that good. Yeah, right. Okay, that's interesting, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'm sort of no soil convo, but, you know, from what I know, it's just the the moisture, because it's very very much a clay base uh, underneath, yeah. so you'll have a topsoil, but most of our country only has two or three foot of topsoil, and then you just, yeah. you'll go into clay. Like, I've been digging fence posts and stuff. Um, I'm just going all steel and these strainers and that, putting a little borer down. As soon as I go down, sort of 900, she's, yeah, she's just pulling up clay. Yeah, right. And, and I've yep. got, I've sort of got it. That's up on the ridge stuff. Like, what well, I go down a fair way, obviously on the creek flats. But, it, um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I love sort of, yeah, hearing how everyone farms different. Like, I spent a fair bit of time out western New South Wales, and it sounds very yeah. similar to yourself. Like, all, all, like you get, you know, so so much moisture reading in the soil, and it hasn't rained for four months, but you can plant. Like, it just blows me yep. away. Yeah, absolutely. We had. Um Last year, well, two years ago, we had lots of rain. We had some really good rains over summer. And then um, we planted and we had such good subsoil moisture that we actually only had um, six inches of rain through our growing season from when we planted to when we repped, yep. um, which is insanely low uh, and still repped really good crops just because of that subsoil moisture that just yeah. stays stays below the surface. And, and the way that farming tech practices and techniques have changed in the last sort of 10, 20 years um, with really trying to preserve that subsoil moisture and not, you know, disking the soil and all that sort of stuff, but actually keeping a good base and, um, yeah, we're able to reap good crops. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy what, um, rat, you know, past rains um, still do for us. It's yeah, that's cool. That's super cool. We might have to – we'll dive down that rabbit hole. At some point, I uh, I love talking farming. So, it yeah. um, well, mate, uh, we probably should get into this for you. We'll um, right, you, you start earlier, but uh, it'll be all good. Well, at the end of it, we'll probably grab it and say, "No, no, yeah, do beer, mate. You're all good." Well, mate, uh, obviously, um, you know the very little that we've spoke, but um, you've got one hell of a history. I, I hear. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself mate um doesn't have to be straight up hunting but obviously you're in south australia mate you've said a little bit where we are but um yeah i guess uh who's nick joyce yeah uh good question mate yeah uh quick uh a little bit about me i guess grew up here in south australia on the family farm um and back from an early age i guess um knowing my family um my direct family uh, are big hunters and sort of growing up on the land, there's obviously always um, vermin and, you know, uh, looking after sheep and lambs and stuff like that. So always familiar with, with guns and spotlighting and that sort of thing around just protecting stock and sort of grew a bit of a, yeah, a real liking to it. And it would always be um, bugging dad to get out there with the, with the spotlight and, you know, look for some foxes and whatever. And, um, anyway, moved to, moved to Adelaide at the age of, age of 16 to uh, play football, which was a big passion of mine when I was growing up through my teenage years was was footy and um, I, 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 AFL for us New South Wales boys. Yeah, yeah that's right, <laughs> AFL football. Um, oh, and we won't dive into that, but yeah. <laughs> you know I'm going to um, ask you about it. <laughs> 
as, as that became, I guess, as that became more serious, um, and being a country boy living in the city, uh, I was always looking for a bit of an escape. So uh, hunting became a real way of a bit of an outlet for me. Uh, I obviously started to get independent with driver's license and you could get yourself around now. So uh, the, I guess my own priorities of hunting and getting away from the city life uh, was now quite accessible with um, teaming up. A, a big part of getting me going into bow hunting was uh, was a good mate of mine, Casey McCallum. He really took me under my wing uh, under his wing, sorry, in here in SA, been a, an SA boy as well, and taught me a lot um, and and helped me out and got me going and and took me to a lot of his spots for a start. To, and that just really, um, I guess, fast-tracked me with uh, experience and, and just um, racking his brain of techniques and just watching him do things. So uh, that was a really big part of getting going. But uh, I was down in Adelaide, yeah, for four years with footy. And then once that all finished up, uh, with footy, uh, I guess I left the, the left the big smoke and just travelled a little bit and got away. And uh, the I guess the lifestyle of footy is very controlling. You uh, the diets and uh, fitness and all that kind of stuff. Your your training is very strict. So to to be able to leave that and sort of be on your own terms for a bit, just absolutely loved it and relished it and. Um, even through my football, I'd get I'd get about six weeks off footy a year, and I'd always head up to the territory. Um, through some mutual friends, I got out uh, through Arnhem Land quite a bit. Uh, made some friends of my own out there, some uh, some Indigenous fellows out there, and and obviously football's a really big part of their life up there, and they really love football. And so we had a bit of a connecting point, which was um, which was really cool. Uh, taking up a heap of footies and Guernseys and. Uh, a heap of gear to the young kids and and playing footy with them. So, uh, and then yeah, I guess since then, since uh, football, I've just been um, yeah traveling around a bit, enjoying the freedom of life. I come back and probably predominantly of the year based here in South Australia on the farm. Yeah. But then uh, for a big chunk of the dry season, I'm up in the territory. Um, yeah, having a good time up there, hunting and and chasing buffalo and and some boars around. So. Um, that's a very quick overview, mate, of, of where <laughs> I am now. Definitely, mate. Um, yeah, obviously, you know, obviously I read a bit in regards to, to the footy and, and actually, I, I've got to be honest, I, I didn't realise you were mate with Macca, so he's had certainly yeah. an, he's certainly had an influence on a lot of people that he probably doesn't even really know about. I mean, I, um, I think I might have mentioned this before, but, you know, he was very uh, prevalent on the, you know, on certain forums and stuff like that and, you know, just the way you wrote a story and those kind of things. Um, I, I certainly got a let out of it. And it's really cool to hear a direct, I guess, mate of Macca's that uh, he's, yeah. he's he's a wealth of knowledge and loves sharing it too. Oh, absolutely. Like, um, I guess probably in the early beginning, I, I got in contact with Casey through a mutual friend um, of ours, his uncle, um, Jamie, uh, put, put me on to Casey and uh, I was just getting into bow hunting. He didn't know know too much about it no one i knew really bow hunted except for this older guy uh jamie and he he put me on to casey and i guess i didn't really even understand at the time when we first got in contact of how much influence he had and um i started to see the photos and the trips he'd been on and he'd been backpacking backpack hunting through new zealand for for chamois and and tar and he'd just come home and and got one and um so i was just pretty wow factored of what he was doing and where he was going 
and uh, yeah, the, he spends so much time in the bush. It's, it's it's unreal. He's an amazing hunter. So you said uh, obviously you went back on back to when you were a young fellow. You obviously uh, spotlight and you mainly sort of foxes and and sort of rabbits, cats, those kind of things. Is that sort of what's around your area? Yep, yep. Out where we are, we're very flat, uh, flat open country, um, which is is good for my old man. He loves his farming, but uh, as a young fellow that that loves uh, or loved hunting and loves spotlight and stuff, there wasn't much. Uh, like we never had any deer or anything running around on our place. Um, sure. Nothing like that, but yeah, it was always foxes, plenty of foxes, and and that was probably the driving point, like the, the starting point. Had one of my best mates at school, um, who was right into it as well. He was off a farm, and uh, and we're both um, for reading time in school and whatever. We'd always be taking in the Australian shooter magazines and whatever, and just <laughs> talking stories and dreaming and scheming together how we're going to head out west and shoot pigs and um, yeah, all this stuff. So. Uh, that's where it all started with me yeah, here on the farm. And then it wasn't probably until, um, yeah, 16, 17, when I could start to get myself around, got a bow, uh, and then got in contact with Macker. I think I was 17, 18. Uh, and he really, yeah, fast tracked me into getting set up with the right gear, um, the right techniques. James, um, Salang thing at the time was running, um, archery mark down in Adelaide and he yep. was, um, yeah, really generous with his time and energy that he helped me out with um, with gear and uh, yeah, it was, it was really good time in my life to get going and, and was surrounded by some really good influences, which I think is super super important. Um, and now I've been able to yeah have a chat with a few young lads that have reached out with questions and whatever, even here in SA, and and try to look after them where I can and um, yeah, you try and be a positive influence on them as well. The way that. Um, Macca and what and James treated me, I guess. Yeah, it's funny how like a lot of these names, as I said, Macca, but James as well. I think actually my first bow back when I was uh, eleven or twelve, whatever it was, I think actually came from James. When uh, maybe yeah. his was his his dad shop at the time? Was it? Was it? Yeah, it could have been. Was he was wor- he was working Brian? there. Uh, yeah, I think um, he worked. For, uh, yeah, for a guy, I think it was called Brian. Yeah, so James, yeah. I don't think it was his dad, but. Um, it was a real, really close with James, um, and because James was a, a baker originally, and then there you go, uh, and then went off and got into archery and loved it, and and then eventually bought the shop off Brian, I think, and um, Brian yeah, Hart. I think it's, yeah, I, I can't, I can't, can't say I know his last name, but yeah. yeah. Pretty sure that's him, but yeah, it's funny how we had, um, you know, connections like I'm in New South Wales, obviously, and you know, to have a connection yeah. in South Australia that helped you out. It's, uh, I suppose, Australia is we are small in ways. It is, it is, it is amazing actually how small it is. Like, um, heading over to the US and whatever, and meeting people, I've been very fortunate with meeting some great people in the US, and uh, I guess you start to understand how, how big it is over in the US and how many people are. Uh, involved in the sport and the money that gets turned over and it's you know you see the figures and stuff it's like wow that's insane yeah. and you think back to to australia bow hunting it's like wow like you almost well i mean it, it's ridiculous to say you know everyone but it's like you know you, you could name a lot of the mm. a lot of the bow hunters you know um from who you see on social media you don't know them personally but you see them on social media or whatever and it's like yeah it's probably not that big a big a pond thankfully it's growing but yeah, I think yeah. I think it is. I mean, I probably wouldn't have thought. Obviously, I've been in it for quite a few years, you know. Um, but I wouldn't have thought it'd be as, which I'm glad it is, but as prominent and and as voiced now. Um, I mean, you've probably seen it even from when you started, even you know, being an SA. Like, 
um, you know how much the sport has grown. I, I really think it's sort of taken off, and and there, I guess there is some people making you know pretty good money out of it. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, it was insane. I was I was yeah quite good mates with James, and just hearing him like uh, I think there was a real patch of Hollywood movies for whatever reason came out, and a lot of the stars were archers. And, yeah. Um, he, when a new movie would come out with an with an archer or someone that was had a bow and arrow, you know, like the, I think it was the Hunger Games. There was an Avenger or something that had a bow. <laughs> he said he was selling more bows than he's ever like. Just all these just fans that just you know saw archery and how cool it could be, um, and he was just selling bows just left, right, and center because of what people were seeing in the theaters. So yeah, it is pretty funny. It's such an addictive um, sport, archery. It's it's amazing. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, going back, like, obviously, footy was a huge part of, of your life, obviously, especially your, your late teens. Um, I, okay, I've got to ask, like, what made you pick bow hunting? Like, you're obviously always in the hunting and that, and, and I suppose you could take it back to that. But what, yep. what drove you, you know, some people get footy in their mind and, and that's all they live for, and, you know, it seems that you stepped out of that quite easily actually even you know given the stories behind that but um how did you find it so easy and what was the driver behind it um hard to say hard to say really the first um i was just back in the day like um just flicking through youtube videos couldn't get enough of hunting um obviously as you know we don't have a great deal of no hunting tv or whatever in australia so it was always just on the on the internet and just looking at youtube and whatever and search random things or whatever and then bow hunting started to pop up more and more and i was quite interested in how this sort of you know like it was all new to me i'd never never met a bow hunter um didn't know anyone that bow hunted so it was all new to me and then he yeah, came across a few videos like oh that's bloody interesting i can't believe what these bows can do these days like um <laughs> as far as the energy they have what what these people I just, it was just blowing my mind of what people were actually hunting and successfully um taken down with these bows so started to look into it randomly got on ebay bought uh um this is just like off the cuff one night i was like oh, i'm just gonna buy one so i got on on ebay i searched archery and, and came across a couple of brands that i'd narrowed down that were good brands and and the two brands i narrowed it down to were matthews and hoyt and that was basically just off their websites reviews and whatever i thought oh they must be you know reputable brand still at this point hadn't stepped foot in a in a bow shop and hadn't met a bow hunter. Um, but I was like, all right, I'm going to have a look, see if there's a second hand one or whatever in, uh, on, on eBay, got on there. There was one from America. So I bought a Matthew Z7 at the time. Yep. Uh, it was one of the, the latest bows out I saw. So, um, got it in the mail. I was just like absolutely cheering. Like, all right, got to get some arrows. Anyway, went like, and I was just so green, had no idea. Walked into the, the archery shop oh, I went first of all I didn't even know there was an archery shop or just what I was just so green <laughs> rang the the Adelaide gun shop I said do you guys sell arrows or what's the go where do I get arrows I said, oh no you got to go to an archery shop I was like oh bloody hell righto um went down to the archery mart and, and James was in said, oh mate like have you got your bow with you I said, yeah brought it inside he's oh mate you need a you need a sight you need a rest I was like oh shit righto <laughs> he set up my bow for me got me some arrows and um, he had a little range in there, so he started me off with some technique and some basics, and that was sort of the start of it. Um, and then, yeah, just I guess the the different elements involved were all new to me. The videos that I was seeing, um, 
yeah, I don't know. It was just, it was all just a crazy experience. And then I don't know the addiction of trying to perfect something, I guess, mm. uh, and the challenge behind it. Uh, it wasn't until I went out, I had, um, one property that, um, my grandpa lined up for me over in, uh, the Clare Valley that he had an old school friend that owned some land there that, that had deer. I knew, I knew it would probably have deer on it. He said it had deer on it. So went over there and hunted, hunted deer was the first animal I started hunting with the bow. <laughs> Set yourself um, a challenge. <laughs> yeah. Fellow deer. And, and, um, anyway, like my, bo- I was too scared to, to shoot out my, um, I was a trainee at the time, so I wasn't on big bucks. I hadn't hadn't actually started making decent money yet, so I was I was didn't really understand broadhead tuning and whatever. But I had a few shots into my new foam target. I didn't want to blunt my broadheads or whatever, um, and, and went off and anyway after about five or six hunts, wet like um, night hunts and and uh, and weekend hunts, I ended up um, shooting a fallow doe with my bow, and I was just just like that was hooked. it. You're done. Absolutely. Yeah, just it was one of the like the, it took me all day to stalk this thing. Like, just did I'd obviously blown a few stalks, um, but yeah, I don't know. From a, from a young young age, I've always probably had patience has been one of the things I've been pretty good at. Whether it was you know chasing around rabbits with an open sight twenty two single shot, or um, so I sort of had a, a few little things. But um, yeah, the bow was just addictive. Just new experiences of watching animals and learning their behavior um you know and then once you explore what's involved with tuning a bow uh, perfect arrow flight um you know tuning your arrows and yeah it just it's never ending i think and and that's the thing that why i guess i've stuck with it for for so long and it never gets old it's funny how the people that are really passionate about shooting a bow always mention arrow flight always watching a perfect arrow fly. I don't know what it is, but I've heard that quite a few, not just on the podcast, but, uh, you know, just in conversation, when you talk to someone that, you know, is really in-depth with it, um, there must be something that we get out of, I guess, probably having it tuned so perfectly that, you know, you've, you know you've done that to make that happen. Um, yep. With... with right. Sorry, mate. Go ahead. No, no, I was just agreeing with you. Absolutely, there's nothing better than like, and I don't know how our brains or our eyes pick it up, but um, you, you know, like it's just that, as as you know, this this oh minuscule, this millisecond that you can see your fletching just disappear, and you know that that arrow, you know, like when you when you see it lob down range, it's like that. My bow is just just letting them go perfect at yeah, the moment. It's, it's shooting sweet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's going that fast, but you can tell a bad arrow flight. Yep. yep. You see that slight whip or you see yep. just that too much, you know, fletching color or something as it disappears. You're like, oh, shit, what's wrong? You know? And Doesn't that go around in circles then? <laughs> oh, no. You know, it's the most amazing feeling ever, Brent, and it can also be just tear your hair out. What the hell am I doing wrong? Um, so, yeah. <laughs> that is fun. Going back to footy, mate. Um, you know, and obviously, what's it like? And and not someone that's you know, I've never I've never done anything professionally apart from say work. But you know what? What was that experience like? You know, seeing obviously there's quite a bit of politics happening with all sports these days. You know, it never seems to go away. But what were some of the things that really sort of surprised you? You know, because you've come back to really the simple life. 
um, back to basics with hunting and, 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 and gathering, I suppose you could say. What was so, what was so surprising about footy? Um, probably a few things um, that surprised me. I guess uh, as a kid, I wouldn't say that um, I was born, like, or definitely wouldn't say I was born with any um, great ability or freakish you know, skill set or anything like that. It was just basically the only reason I think I eventually got where I got was just because I was just in love with the sport, in love with football, um, the, the dream as a kid of becoming a professional footballer and just everywhere I'd go, I'd be bouncing a football or kicking it to myself or, um, you know, just doing something to tr- just because just I loved it. Essentially, yeah. I was addicted to it uh, and couldn't get enough of it. So and thankfully had fantastic parents that uh, were two hour two and a half hours north of Adelaide when it's when I started to get picked in teams and whatever down in Adelaide, just amazing support from them to drive me you know two three times a week um, to Adelaide for footy training and then games on Saturday. So definitely obviously couldn't have done it without um, amazing parents and their support. But it was that I don't know it was just something that was a, a love of the game as it. As it got more serious uh, and things started pro- to progress and the pressure um, was was building and building and then eventually getting drafted, which was um, to the Adelaide Crows, which was one of the most amazing feelings. It's like I've worked, you know, for the last five, six years, but more seriously, probably three or four years, just really, really hard to, to get here. And, you you know, you feel this sense of achievement. And then, and then getting there at the club, new experience, amazing time, but... You, you eventually, for whatever reason, um, I think you start to lose the love of the game. Uh, and it's a shame, but oh, I did personally. I started to lose my, my love for football, um, I think, because of the pressure, the, um, the I don't know how just much everything is scrutinised and looked at, every decision you make in your game, everything you do at training is reviewed and looked over. And um, there's so much... Um, yeah, revision, I guess, of um, reviewing of what you're doing and how to be better and, and pressure on you to improve that. Uh, it becomes work. It becomes a, yeah, just a job, really. Yeah. Um, and then that's when, I guess, bow hunting was my release from that. This this pressure was building it uh, at footy, whether I wasn't playing good or whether I was injured, um, you know, whether something wasn't going right or whether it was just being in the city and not being able to get out to the country and get a release, this... this um, yeah, bow hunting was really just a way that I could just get out, get out into the hills, sit down under a tree and just, you know, a lot of the time I might not even be walking heaps of kilometres because I might have been hunting a small little parcel of land, but I could just sit under a tree, peace, peace and quiet, look up, see, you know, a pretty parrot or something in a tree and, you know, hope, hope that a deer walked through or, you know, some nights you wouldn't see a thing, but you are just out there in the peace and quiet with your swag the stars and you'd get up and some nights I'd get, have to get up really early and, you know, get back to footy training out of the hills um, from hunting the night before. So it, um, yeah, that's probably why I think I was so, got so addicted to bow hunting was because of the the high pressure that I was feeling um, from the football and, and the work, or I guess football work side of things um, led me to, to get away, get into the bush. And that's when the more time I think you spend, in the bush and in the wild that um, you get a love for it an appreciation for it. Um, you start to see things, experience things that um, you never even re- realised were out there. 
with um and and I can see like that release thing obviously my 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 job is I have to deal with people um as much as I love to to talk to you guys you know with hunting um I'm exactly the same you you want to get away um so I'm stock and station real estate property all that kind of stuff and you know as you know it's it's difficult when you someone's judging you or questioning you, your your integrity all the time and you know certainly bow hunting is definitely my release as well and you know planning for big trips has always given you something to work for you've obviously dealt with the media media you know quite some um, whether you like it or not how do you for someone in the hunting game that maybe have a bit of a name and and maybe quite out there um, of all levels how do you feel the best way to handle media if it's if they're trying to tunnel it down a certain way do you do you have any advice on that um yeah it's interesting uh i I always was um not i wouldn't say cautioned or but just um everyone at football i guess there's a there's a majority well not a majority but there's there's a few guys that are obviously from the country um but then as you know there's people from country towns and whatever that have never even hunted or shot a gun or whatever as well and then you've got a, a larger majority that are City boys um, that are either from Victoria or from, um, you know, Melbourne or something like that that have come over to Adelaide, that's who I was with, uh, and were amongst the teammates. So they all knew I hunted. That's what I did. Uh, I'd share it, you know, with them and stories. They were very interested in it. Um, But I guess the coaches and whatever were always very cautious about what I would, you know, there was I think there was one photo or something that I posted on my Instagram at one point and, got a um i can't remember exactly what it was but got a a phone call from the football club straight away like they they watched you know our social media straight away and yeah. they said look mate take that down straight away like we can't have i think it must have been a a, a goat or, or or maybe a deer that i'd shot um with my bow and and they said yeah just just take it down i was like oh what? like you know mm. did, as a young player um yeah you're you not gonna wanna, you're not gonna question it are you yeah, you're not going to step outside and say, nah, screw you guys. Like, I'll, you know, so you take it down. And so, yeah, you start to learn what's, what they think is acceptable or not. I can't say I ever really dealt with media that um, were uh, directly against my hunting or anything like that, but they yeah. were cautious that uh, for, for me not to stir up negative attention uh, because it is a, a controversial topic to a lot of people that are, I guess uneducated about it um, and and unsure of the you know or, or unaware of the benefits of hunting. So, and I really yeah, and I look, I really appreciate that um, your opinion on that because you know you obviously talk to a lot of people you know, and I, I know your contacts, which we'll we'll talk about soon. Um, you know, with with guys coming out from Alaska and the states, and you know, you obviously you know certainly a profile amongst you know the hunting, you know, the outfitting and that kind of stuff. So. You have to talk to a lot of people with the communities up north, and I think it's good for everybody just to get a bit of an idea of how to present it, you know, in the public eye. Because as you said, no, whether we like it or not, it is a controversial topic because people are uneducated. Um, you know, I'm watching everything on social media about Yeti, and um, I'm not sure if you've seen that. It's just been the last um, couple yeah. of days, and, and it's just crazy. You know, people just. You know, unfortunately, it's the US, but, you know, they just jump on the bandwagon of something they probably don't really know anything about. And I think hunting is exactly the same, has the same problem. Like, it, it's such a, you know, a, a down-to-earth 
um, thing to do, you know, for, for generations, but it's just, I don't think anybody really knows how to, to shed it in the, in the perfect light um, yep. because obviously you're dealing with people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, super interesting. I remember, I don't know, probably going back four or four years to get so now, four or five maybe, um, when that um, the whole Cecil the Lion thing came oh. out and um, just the backlash that that was just, just mind-blowing, like as yep. far as airlines, like, you know, just massive public companies that have never really had anything to do or any any pro stance on hunting or anything like that or you know not not anything to do in the outdoor industry these huge companies like airlines and whatever all coming out with their statements and how you know they're shutting down we're not going to accept uh trophy animals on our airlines and just just the ridiculous amount of um media coverage uh, a story got Mm -hmm. and of hunting and whatever and it was actually at that point um i was like wow like is there, is there that many uneducated people out there or and I actually without doing it publicly or anything like that I actually sat there for for actually quite a few weeks and and thought about like I was like have I got am I blindsided have I because of my passion and my love for this and how much I enjoy it have I actually got a blind spot to something that maybe is um you know as a you know uh a thing of the past and is is the world evolving from it so i actually yep. for a few weeks even a month or so like just really took took a bit of a a break from actually going out there and hunting and whatever and just actually like looked right into it and i looked right into the the test of the lion story i looked into conservation over in africa obviously in our, our hunting circles it's very easy to hear um positive stories and how hunting is conservation all these yep. sort of things? Yeah, and, uh, and what we want to hear as hunters, exactly. And, and what we want to hear as hunters, and that's what I was nervous of. I was like, "Oh, where have I been blindsided? Are we all just kidding ourselves and really pumping up our own tires just for our own enjoyment? You know, our own passions that yep. that we want to actually blur the facts a little bit, just as just as they're blurring their facts, are we blurring our facts to make it suit our enjoyment and what we do for um for our enjoyment so uh really sat back looked looked right at it looked at everything um as far as the benefits the the you know negatives whatever it was listening to both sides of the conversation uh making an effort to sit there i guess with a mutual mindset that yep if if i do come to a um an opinion that yeah it's a thing in the past like am i willing to stop hunting and, and I honestly believe I, I was at a point where I was like, yep, if I can find that it's not needed anymore and it's a thing of the past and there's ways that um, we can get around, you know, hunting and it's more beneficial for the animals and the animals are going to, um, you know, do well, live better, stronger, grow in numbers, whatever, these endangered animals in Africa, um, you know, I was, you know, willing to accept that. But I guess everything that I found just contradicted that and and saw how hunting is super viable um you know there's nothing better for an animal like as far as a a deer or a goat or whatever it is here in australia to be if you actually care about an animal and i know i'm a farmer so this kind of contradicts us a little bit but when we're growing our cattle out they are being as much as we love our cattle we want to see them do well we want to see them put on weight 
we're growing these cattle that for the meat market to be processed, killed, and put on you know the table for someone. So, but if you like, as a hunter, I have a a different perspective. Is like, wow, well, like I get to go and hunt a deer that's living wild and free. Gets to go where it wants. Gets to eat what it wants. Um, it you know, and, and I get to try to outsmart that animal. I get to watch, observe. I get to choose a healthy. Uh, animal or I get the opportunity to to take out an animal that is got a broken leg or it's maimed or um, you know so as a hunter I just think the benefits of going out there and the satisfaction of outsmarting an animal having your bow as we spoke about earlier that's just shooting sweet perfectly tuned uh, arrows that you've built to the correct weights and spine and uh, the fletchers that you glued on and checked were right and the broadheads that you chose and sharpened yourself and then to finally watch that arrow, you know, just slide through an animal and, and you get to harvest that animal, cut it up in the field, pack it out. Um, yeah, they're really, I don't know, there's just the whole build-up of that uh, far exceeds people's emotional opinion. I think that's a lot of it is their yeah. emotional opinion um, to say hunting is a is a horrible thing, and the, the poor animal uh, is simply based off emotion and not actually real facts. Probably we could be going down a real rabbit warren here, but I think a lot of the time is that we haven't portrayed it well at times. Um, you know, some of the photos yeah. I've seen, and and I listen to, and unfortunately, Benny O'Brien is from Yeti, so he's into the line, into the fire at the moment. But he's a great bloke. I think the the way he talks. He did a podcast with Aaron Snyder. I heard you know a couple of weeks ago on to heading to hunting, and my dad was actually in the car, and and he hadn't heard any American podcast before, and he listened to that, and he actually looked at me and said. Geez, we got it. We could be put, putting this in a better light, couldn't we? Um, you know, from some of the conversations those guys had, they had one about social media. Every time you put a photo up there, every single person is going to see, it, and most of them are going to be the ones you don't want to see it. Mm-hmm. So before you put the photo up, think about who's going to see it. And I thought yeah. that was really good because I think that is really most of the problem because people don't know anything about what we do. And what we have to put in, you know, with our hunting. I mean, you know, you've done Alaska and, you know, just even, your, you know, your buffalo stuff up north of actually how hard it is and what we go through to, to harvest that animal. Um, yeah. But they just see the end photo and that's Absolutely. it. They just see the, the blood or the whatever it may be. And generally a lot of the time yeah. it's getting better and better. Um, everyone out yeah. there from the rut, you know, your photos were awesome. I don't think I ever seen one on social media that looked bad this year. I thought it was great. Um, yeah. And I've showed people that aren't even hunters. I show the people at work, you know, and this is what we get up to, and it makes it a lot easier when it's it's shed in that light. Um, yeah, absolutely. As hunters, when we see other hunters, you know, we'll call it a a trophy photo or whatever, with someone positioned behind the animal, you know, I guess as hunters we see we see the hard you know the hard work we see the the hours and hours of walking and camping of preparation the the kilometers covered the money invested we see um you know just the hard work i really that, that goes into it um but something we do have to be cautious of as as hunters is that there's so many people that don't know anything about that and i think as you said education um 
and and telling that story and trying to um, to shed light on that story of why we do what we do. That it's more than just for a photo. It's more than just for um, this set of antlers that your eyes are drawn to right now. Um, there's such a bigger picture involved. I think telling that story uh, is really really important uh, and probably more so than ever um, than ever before. I think most definitely and. and- like you mentioned the planes and all that kind of stuff before about coming out with their statements and all that it's amazing how difficult that's made for us to even go to the states um you know trying to bring and it's not that you're not allowed to bring stuff back you just don't know when and where they're going to pull you up and what you're going to pull you up on nobody knows the rules and it's been so frustrating the last couple of years coming back and (laughs) even though i've had a pretty good dry spell last two years i haven't had to worry about it but you know just planning it's like and and all and so every time something happens in another country it does affect all of us so it's really important that we do all have i guess our i guess just be prepared you know and and just speak well of it and not get not get upset when someone and i know this you know this we're just going way away from what we were originally talking about but you know just not getting upset because someone has a different idea and just trying to explain it to them um you know, in a in a way that they may understand, they may not accept it, but they may understand where you're coming from. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it, you know, um, back in the day, I, I used to run a um, my own like personal sort of Facebook page just for my bow hunting side of stuff, and um, I'd I'd quite often get a one or two comments on a photo that were just super super negative, and. I think always trying to take the stance of higher ground is just just the the starting and end point. Um, <laughs> when when I, I see some hunters out there and I, and I laugh about it because it's kind it you know there's some funny things that get said, but um, pouring fuel on the fire and just pissing people off. I don't know how much good comes of it. Like yeah. just trying to be respectful uh, and educational and uh, take that higher ground and have a try to have a positive uh, interaction with someone um, goes a lot further than just um, yeah pouring coals on a fire I guess or pouring fuel on a fire yeah um, just yeah I don't know I don't know how much good comes of it yeah it can be funny at the time and and you see some reactions and just think you know they're all lunatics but you know I think there's a bigger there's got to be at times a bigger picture where we look to and say um, yeah let's try and Try and give this person a bit of education uh, if they're open-minded. A lot of the time, you know, they're there commenting and they're going to be very, very closed-minded. So um, you've got to accept that, I guess. But, yeah, try to take some higher ground at times. And uh, if they're willing to listen and, and, and have a conversation about it, I think that's better for everyone than, than just trying to piss people off. Definitely. I mean, a lot of – look, and, and my questions come from, you know, obviously I – you know, watching you on social media and who you get to interact with and those kind of things. And yours is all about a story. Like, I mean, unless you jump on your website, you hardly kill, you hardly see a harvest photo. You know, I some of the photos, you know, just with yourself stalking all the boys, you know, in the in the little, I think it's a little Suzuki or whatever you've got, and and just things like that. It, you know, it really sheds that light on on what you guys are up to and the fun you're having and the enjoyment, the adventure. Um, and I, as a as someone that's looking at that, I get more out of that. Yeah. How has obviously you mentioned you know you you up with the the indigenous camps and things like that, and 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 I know that you have a a pretty big part up there. How has that transformed, 
into what you do now. So uh, my question is, you know, how have you helped them and in, 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 in turn, how have they helped you? Yeah, uh, really good question. Um, I guess I went up there um, while I was still, um, yeah, as I said earlier, with the Crows and we got up there with, with a heap of footies and um, and really just started off as, as getting out there and having fun, having kicks, watching them do some backflips and have a laugh and, and kick the footy around and, and um, you know, then got some contacts out with, with some of those guys and some of the young men that um, to head out there and go fishing. It started off as a fishing trip and went out there fishing and... And uh, then, yeah, one thing led to another. And obviously hunting and fishing and football, both three big things that, that most young men, Indigenous men out there in Arnhem Land love to do and enjoy to do and um, fill up a lot of their spare time with one of those three activities. So um, I had all those um, common grounds with them for a start. So it was, it was really easy to build friendships and relationships with. And, uh, yeah, went up there and I guess how did I help them out? I, I, I don't know. I, I'd like to think I helped them out. I, I um, as much as I could, really. And I think it's changed over the years as my understandings changed. For a start, um, the initial thing that you see, I guess, as a as a kid down here on a farm, and having a some somewhat of a, a successful farm and, and a really healthy upbringing, and uh, mum and dad being able to provide for my brother and myself. Um, quite well i went up there and saw a, a massive uh i guess difference in living standards was one of the, the things i saw for a start and just the communities and how they were living and i was just like wow like that that sucks and one of the first you know not one of the first but it does it's not too long down the line before they start uh asking for for some help financially and whatever and for a start i was very um yeah green to the the issues or the, the bigger picture up there so yeah i was like yeah i got i got you know money like you you're worse off than i am so um for a start it was just financially i'd, I'd buy groceries and um buy just simple things like toilet paper and stuff like that flour um just fresh bread some vegetables and fruit for the kids so i'd start to start to help out financially and um it you know it kept increasing more people and and uh I don't know. I soon started to to probably see a bigger picture that um, it's not so much a financial problem. I don't think, um, and, and it, it's it's uh, I don't know. It's, it's just such a huge topic as far as where it goes. I don't want to. Um, oh, that's all right. Too deep into it, but yeah, probably grew over the years from seeing that it's not a financial problem anymore, um, but more yeah, just a. Uh, a case by case, I guess, but more of a social social issues, and and that was somewhere that I was able to, I think, definitely help out with a lot of the young guys up there. I'd um, have a camp, oh yeah, four or five k's, out of a community that I lived in my swag for, oh five six months of the the year. I'd I'd live out there in a swag, um, and I'd coach coach the local footy team, uh, play footy with them, and then after footy training or or most nights or um, I'd spend the day in the community with the kids or whatever after school. The young men would go out fishing or hunting during the day while the kids were in school. And then that night, the men would come back, we'd have a fire, cup of tea, maybe some cook some snags or whatever around a fire. And it was amazing the deep conversation um, we were able to have around that fire as just young men sharing what they were going through at home, 
um, the pressure they had on from external family members, whether it was the uncles that were looking over them or um, their wife or kid, you know, what they were going through with kids. And um, so, yeah, I think it sort of changed from a financial standpoint and, and realised that, that there's a bigger picture here. It's not just about a, a money difference, but um, it eventually grew into actually caring about these young men that I was playing football with and seeing and hearing the problems that they had socially and, and with their families that I was able to try to help and educate and give um, a, advice to of how to get out of it or help with these situations that they find themselves in. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was probably one way. They, they helped me in lots of ways. Amazing to see their generosity. And I think as, um, as a white male or whatever we're pretty um under the pump at the moment i guess from people we say it's or whatever it is white supremacy or whatever but to go up there and actually be humble enough to to, to say hey like these people got as much to teach us mm. as we have to to share with them and just watching how they interact and love their families and uh, are so generous to one another um i think it's a it's, it's an awesome thing so they're definitely there and as well as bush knowledge and um, hunting and fishing, little tricks, and oh, they're amazing! Absolutely amazing people. Once again, it's mate, it just comes back to education. We don't know the yeah. story, and unless we've got guys like yourself, and I know there's a few other boys spending time up there with them, you know, sharing those stories, we'll never know. Um, yeah. And unfortunately, when it's in a in a you know Nat Geo kind of format, um, you know, it's always taken in a direction that you know that they want it. You know, and and I absolutely yeah. love you know seeing your stuff come through and you know in our in our chats and those kind of stuff. That's that's when we get to know what it's all about. And and yeah. I look to you know I look to afford or I look forward to you know certainly experiencing more of it. And it's funny when you you know you talk to a lot of guys that have been up there hunting and that you know the stories aren't always about just hunting. You know, actually yeah. very very small part of the adventure is actually about right. the hunt. Absolutely, yep. I think that. Um that's one of the biggest things Australia has to offer, especially up in the northern the northern parts of Australia is, you know, I've had obviously people over to, to hunt buffalo. That's what they think they're coming for is to hunt a buffalo. But they leave, you know, hopefully, yeah, with with an amazing hunting experience. But it's more, it's the whole cultural experience of what Australia has to offer um, from the landscapes, the the birds, the, the reptiles and the people um the aboriginal indigenous people out there and their stories and um i think i think australia is such an incredible country uh that that yeah it's, it's very special it's more than just about um and this is definitely something that i try and share with them it's more you're gonna get more than just a, a hunting experience more than just a set of horns to take home uh, or a set of tasks you're gonna get um a full week of real experience um, exactly exactly I'll put you on the spot here. Have you had more for, for, for fulfillment um, out of doing what you do up in the Indigenous camps what you did at a footy? Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, I have. And, it, I mean, um, fulfillment in footy, like, uh, as far as it, it, there's there's some really good feel-good feel moments and stuff, but essentially it's, it's pretty, as much as you're in a team, um, for a lot of the junior stuff, uh, and then also getting to a, a professional level for a couple of years, it is very self-centered as far as your own personal development, sure. uh, setting your own goals, all that sort of stuff. So, um, and that's why I probably say it so convincingly that it's been more fulfilling the bow hunting and being up north 
um, is I feel that, <clears throat> yeah, there's, there's more people to share the experience with, the journey with. Um, it's not just about yourself, but there's a bigger picture. And um, ultimately, you're having just a better time up there. Like, uh, it's a wild place. That's why I'm drawn back there every year. I mean, I've grown up on a farm, which is awesome, but there's nothing like being out in just complete nothing, just no roads, no power, no power lines, just no you know, phone service. It's just the wild and, um, you know, having crocodiles that can eat you in, in the water, just just that element of just the unknown. It's, yeah. uh, it's an amazing place in the northern coastline. Well, Sam, on the topic of buffalo, we're going to have to go down that one. <laughs> Mate, um, you obviously, you, you run and own uh, as Buff Hunts Australia, isn't it? Yeah, yep, yep. yep. Um, how long has that been going for, mate? Um, it is. That's a good question, mate. Um, <laughs> that long? Yeah, not 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 super long. Like I'm, uh, I'd say this would be probably fifth season. I reckon. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, up there. Yeah, mate. Um, obviously, you know, obviously everyone knows, uh, or most people know what what buffalo hunting is all about. It's a, it's obviously a, a game that uh, has to be you know, full of respect and those kind of things for the animal and, you know, you've got to watch your toes. But, you know, what yeah. what drives you? Obviously, I think you've probably answered this question, but, you know, what is it about buffalo? Is it the buffalo itself or is it what you just mentioned, the the story around it? Yeah, I think I think it's definitely, it's both. Um, they, are, they are an unreal animal um, and you can't take that away from them. Um, it is just amazing that they live in such an incredible place. I think that's what adds to it. That's what um, people love about hunting buffalo in Australia is that full experience. But um, not to take anything away from the buffalo, they are they are an incredible animal. I think they're very intelligent, um, just super inquisitive animals that that want to know what's going on. Thanks um, for getting in trouble. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, they can they can do some funny things at times that make your climbing skills uh, have, you know, <laughs> have to be sharp. So, um, how, how many trees have you been put up? I've been put up a few. Uh, definitely <laughs> been put up a few. Yeah, there's been a couple couple very close calls actually, but you laugh at them now. Yeah, right, I'd be honest, your mistake or theirs? Um, I would say... I would say the the one that was the closest. Well, actually, both both really close calls um, were neither of my fault. Um, <laughs> I was yeah, I was guiding one of them, and the other one was one of my mates so that yep. that put a bad shot on with a bow, and the other one was a bad shot with a rifle. So yep. um, two very angry balls in thick, very very thick conditions. I knew it was going. Well, one of them especially, I knew it was going to go bad, but it was just a matter of when. And um, <laughs> Yeah, thankfully we got out all right. <laughs> well, mate, um, what area? Um, and obviously, don't have to be the exact location, but what area are in in the Northern Territory? Um, yeah, you might know the tribe names and those kind of things, but just a, a bit of an overhaul of of the operation you're running up there. Yeah, so um, I've been very fortunate with the help that I've got from um, some territory. I guess I'm not a territory local, um, but been very, very thankful. Of the help that I've got from some from some territory locals up there that have lived their whole lives and been brought up in the territory by their their fathers that um and these are some older guys one in particular an old, an older guy Joe he's he's helped me out a lot and um he's a an old station fella old um, ringer really but 
run his own show out in Arnhem Land, um, a station out there on on Aboriginal lease ground, and um, was doing that back in the in the eighties. I think he was out there, and so he's had just an incredible wealth of knowledge back when it was just you know re- just the the tough old days, I guess, of you know no roads out there, um, barely any infrastructure, and he you know drove his cattle on horseback with his you know um, Aboriginal workforce, I guess, at the time. Um, so he's, he's had a lot of contacts out there that have helped me. Uh, and, and so that's been, that's been amazing that sort of a, uh, stepping stones to take on and his knowledge and his help, he's helped me with contracts with, um, the Northern Land Council, which is a, a governing body, um, that overlooks Arnhem Land. Uh, and he's had a lot of experience with, with the Northern Land Council and his operation that he does out there, um, so that's been that's been a huge head start for me. Uh, but yeah, basically, just uh, I've been running uh, sort of week long hunts out there with uh, sort of ranging from two to four hunters at a time, um, bow bow or rifle hunters. But um, and they've been predominantly Americans that have been coming over, which um, people have not warned me, but you know they always sort of say, and you know their breath, oh, bloody Americans, you know, they're fussy or whatever. But I've been been really lucky, I think, with the guys that have come out from America that have, you know, probably 95 to 99% of them have all been terrific. You've got your one or two guys that are just a little bit strange, a little bit odd, a little bit hard to deal with. But <laughs> a lot of them have just been really sold to the earth guys that, um, you know, run their own small business or something in America and have been saving up for however many years to do this hunt. And, you know, and, and I, I really take ownership in that where they've, you know, they've chosen me and I really want to look after them and, and give them the best experience I can and, uh, and make it a, a real hunt, a true hunt that um, is, is going to be something that they remember, true experience of interactions with um, my friends and my friends, my Aboriginal friends get to meet these Americans and have interaction and learn about their American culture and what they do over there and sit around a fire and have a cup of tea at night or whatever and share stories. It's, it's a really um, unique situation that you get to experience and see and have a laugh with and you encourage your Aboriginal friends to share, you know, that story about when that crocodile nearly got them or whatever and, and you, you know, the stories just flow. So, um, yeah, it's pretty cool. But, yeah, generally they're about seven days long and head out to Arnhem Land and, and set up a pretty – pretty casual camp there's nothing flash out there but just sort of tent camping um and uh, and try it if we if we one of them kills a, a buffalo early on then we'll um we'll be eating that buffalo f- for the week and, and I, I really try to make a um a strong yeah stance on that that we're we're out here we, we've we've got a great animal the resource here we want to um look after as much as that resource as we can and and try to utilize it as much as we can as well so um, yeah, I think I think the positive feedback from it's been good. I think. Yeah, I think by um, you know, and credit to you too is is the way your the business is marketed, you know, with your website and the way you are on on social media. You, I don't think you're going to really uh, encourage that person that is going to be difficult to deal with. You know, you, you show your camps and those kind of things. It's basic. You're all about the hunt and the experience. So, you know, credit to you. I think you'll do you know very well in in the in the crew that you're going to always have there I think 
Yeah, I, I, I hope so. And, I, and yeah, I have been lucky with the guys that have come over and um, they've been super generous. I've been fortunate enough to be able to, to get over to America a few times now. And um, depending on where I am at the time, I'll, I'll you know send them an email or, or a message or they'll be on social media maybe. The majority of them are these days, regardless of their age. And flick them a message or tell them that you're coming over and they just can't wait to, to catch up with you again and host you at their house or... Mm or take you out for dinner or something. Um, it's been been unreal. I've been able to skip across America and catch up with, you know, once clients and now you call them mates. Um, it, it's pretty pretty special. I think the connection you have with, with them when you get to see that they're inviting you back to their house or whatever, that it is a genuine experience that they've had and, and had a really fun time in Australia. So, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and I think that's what I love about... Um you know, the traveling that, you know, yourself and myself do and, and obviously plenty of others is sharing the amount of stories in that round and then the, the connections that you make and, and the friendships that you that you build. You know, I, I know from for a fact, you know, myself and, and Ben McCulloch um, that, you know, we've traveled to Montana a couple of times and, and I know Ben and his wife have been back over to the family that hosts us over there, you know, multiple times and, and they are like family over there now and, and only tonight, you know, just before we jumped on and, you know, uh, Matt, my, my good friend in, in uh, New Mexico, was, he started out just guiding me a hunt, you know, in 2016 and, and I've been over there several times now and, you know, I think we talk every couple of days and, you know, yeah. his mum just sent me a message before, you know, congratulating me on, you know, that we're having a boy and, you know, just yeah. all those kind of things that really, I think that's what the hunting community is, is about and I think it should be about is, Yes, we get out there and chase game, but you know it's these stories that we get to share around, and you know, and and some of the stories that you can get from around the world is is unbelievable. Um, you know, not just in your home ground. No, absolutely, mate, and and couldn't agree more. And it's a it's a credit to yourself and <clears throat> this podcast and, and and other people that are doing doing similar things to connect. Uh, it's amazing what we have the the technology we have to connect and share and. Uh, and yeah, I think it's it can be such a positive um, environment to to share stories, encourage one another, but like you say, build friendships that um, do just seem to last. Like um, I've had, yeah, um, American fella, he's come over a few times now. It's all started off as um, as a hunting trip, and and now we've been over. I've been over with him a few times, and he's come back over a few times, and he'd become really really good mates. Um, from from having a common interest at a start to becoming you know best mates, it's, it is it's it's really fun. It both seems to be really tight too. In in when it is built like that, the friendship you know it's not forced upon or anything like that. It's it's pretty um, I guess organic. I suppose is a word or neutral that you know it just builds from this. As you said, it's just this really strong common interest that we've got. And you just never have, like, you never have nothing to talk about. There's always something going on. You're flicking a text or, you know, even with camp, it just seems full on. And the time, unfortunately, flies. Um, there's certainly no, you know, real effort uh, in that mateship. Nah, spot on. Absolutely spot on. How do you think we're, or how, you know, I'm sure you've heard a few stories and, and I as well, but how are we portrayed here in Australia, um, you know, from your travels how do they look at us? And on this is probably more directed, probably yourself, because of buffalo hunting. It's so 
that's the first thing you're asked when you're over the States is, have you shot a buffalo? And it's like, well, for me, it's like, no, I haven't. And they literally just nearly turn away from you. It's fu- it's quite funny. Not not arrogantly, but they're like, oh, okay. Um, how, how do you feel we're betrayed? Are we just all about buffalo? What's your been experience? Um, I think so. Like, I think Australia... Um if we yeah it is just very unexplored um it's unknown to the larger hunting community um north america obviously possessing a huge marketplace um a huge variety of uh huntable species population um all those sorts of things and you know we we connect with north america so well i think because of um the I guess the marketing that North America have, the power, the brands, all that sort of thing, uh, but also the communication that we speak the same language. Mm. Um, it's you know not until you open your eyes and you start to see um, you know hunt, the hunting history around the world uh, and and so many countries around the world that we you know majority of people don't even know how to pronounce them. And I'm one of those guys. A lot of the, these countries, but you know the hunt, the rich hunting history they have and and still have today. Um, is amazing as far as Australia goes um, yeah I think we are quite unknown to you know America which is is what we as Australians sort of um, are driven to naturally because of you know whether it's you know the hunting um, celebrities or the you know what you see on you know hunting shows and brands and brand ambassadors we're drawn to America through marketing essentially so Um, we don't have those massive brands with massive dollars, um, you know, building hunting up here in Australia, I don't think. And that's probably why it's not known for um, our amazing deer hunting or, um, you know, even Bantang's not, you know, amazing experience and not well known by even Australians. Like yeah. you ask an Australian what a Bantang is and they don't even know what a Bantang is or, you know, some Australians don't even know we have deer in Australia. So, yeah, I think it's just because hunting, the hunting population is small. Therefore, um, brands, hunt, Australian hunting brands and marketing power is is low. Um, that it's not in the mainstream conversation or mainstream view, I mm-hmm. think. And therefore, it's sort of in the shadows a little bit as far as is it good, is it bad? I don't know a hunter, so I don't have an opinion. I just listen to what, you know, um, old Kim Kardashian says about it, you know, or something ridiculous like that. So, yeah, I I think it is unknown. When I start talking to Americans and they, yeah, you know, ask about buffalo, it's one of the first things they say. um, And I can't speak more highly of the buffalo and the experience you can have up there um, when in the right place. But, the, the deer hunting in Australia and as you know, like is, is some of the, I think that I haven't hunted everywhere in the world, but it's, it's got to be some of the best hunting in the world. Like everyone thinks New Zealand and it would be unreal and oh, New Zealand red stag. I was like, Oh, you should come to Australia and hunt yeah. on our red deer here. Like we got some amazing red deer. Oh, you got red, red stag in Australia. Said, yeah. We got, we got red deer in Australia. Oh, really? And that, you know, they're intrigued. What, what else do you have? And you start yeah. to share what, got and a lot of these americans have no idea so i think it'll grow i think it'll continue to grow as social media things are out there for everyone to see now that um when someone shares a photo it doesn't matter um 
you know who they are you, you can see it so yeah yeah i think, I think yeah, it'll continue to grow as we said earlier on it, it's definitely on the up um there's more and more people that are engaging with people right across the world so uh, i think it's only only good what's there been the biggest driver the guys coming out to shoot the buff um I mean, has their driver just been, you know, I just want to shoot a buffalo and tick it off the list? Or have they genuinely been interested in, I guess you could say, our culture, um, you know, wanting to get to know, you know, how we go about it, using buffalo as probably their, you know, I guess their main reason to come out. But have you sort of, is it has it been a common theme or have they all been different? Yeah, um, you can't really say one or the other. And I'd say it's, it has to be both. Um, there's people that come out, <clears throat> that have no understanding of what they're going to get as long all they know they're coming for water buffalo they want to shoot one um generally they are um part of a you know a, a trophy hunting organization yeah, sure. mention the name, but they're you know just just basically want to shoot this animal for and, and i'll say it, I, without being want, too condemned they want to take it off the list yeah just want to pick it off you know take home they don't really care how they shoot it, um, whatever, just I just want these horns to take home, brag to my mates, tick off the list, get yep. the bovine speak done, whatever. When they get here, the thing that I'm really passionate about is you start to, you know, get that from phone calls or emails, you start to pick up on things. And then when they get here, you know, you see it. Um, but by the time they've left, like their mind, I think, has just been blown of, of what they've actually been able to experience here in Australia, the things they've got to see, uh, and they're going home with so much more than what they thought they were coming for. So yeah. um, there's definitely a mix of people. Some are like that. You've got other guys that are just super passionate. Oh, it's been my dream to come to Australia. I watched or I read a magazine back in you know yeah. the 80s of you know so and so story of coming to Australia and hunting a water buffalo and um, and and now you know I want to fulfil that. So there's a you diehard just guys that want to do it um, because of a story they read when they were a little kid and then there's you know other people there's a there's a broad broad scale of people for sure no that's awesome it was it always fascinates me and and obviously uh, as you know too well you know i'm always chasing someone's story and the reason why someone does something or says something and um hence the reason for this podcast but um you know it, it's just yeah, we we get looked at, and and it was a great experience for me to be over there. Not just so much on the hunting side of things, but you know, we've been through the ATA show and and just some of the questions and 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 that that you got over there. It was like, I think they are really, you know, they know we're here and and they know, you know, there's a hell of a lot of us that are that are pretty good, damn good at what we do as well, and and they want to know about it now, which I I think it's really really cool. Yep, I, I do too. I think we're so fortunate um, here in Australia to to hunt how we hunt and and obviously i heard your um your podcast that um nick morton and you uh, spoke yeah. about as far as our opportunity to hunt all year round 365 days a year um to to actually be in the bush and hunt and and as a bow hunter as a dedicated bow hunter our ability to um you know really hone our skills as far as understanding our animals starting um to figure out habits uh, also different techniques to to be quiet, you know, to, to figure out wind directions and what it does at certain times of the day or certain times of the month. We, we can, and our stalking ability, um, we are so benefited by being able to do that and become better hunters. Um, 
than someone that only does get to hunt a couple months a year or a month a year. Uh, it is very, and when you start to share that with Americans, they are that blown away. That's one of the biggest draw cards to them. So, oh, when's your season? It's like, well, but we, we don't have a season, you know, essentially. In, yeah. in do, do, you like the hot, do you like the hot or cold? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's pretty much what it is. I know. So, yeah, we, we're very, very fortunate to be able to do that. And I think um, lots of things such as, you know, that, that, <clears throat> that buck fever or whatever, that bow panic, um, it starts to become second nature eventually when you do it mm. enough um, and that, that those those bad habits or whatever eventually just just disappear and it becomes second nature um, to be you know within 20, 20 yards of a whatever species um, yeah it, it, it's it's very very beneficial for us over here that if we do travel on a on an overseas adventure or a big ticket hunt that someone's had to really save or spend a lot of money on um, that when those time you know that that time comes to be at full draw or whatever that I feel like we can all be a, as Australian bow hunters a little bit more prepared than, than most other people. Oh, definitely, and I think that's uh, it, you, you touch a pretty good topic there. I think that's why we, as Aussies, and I'm not saying myself or anybody, but you know, as 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 Australian bow hunters are, are very successful. It's definitely from that the ability that we have access all the time, and when we do get that chance at that once in a lifetime or that hunt that everybody around the world has said, you know, that's extremely difficult. It's a, it's a challenge. And an Aussie goes out there, you know, Benny Solaris on the Ibex is just a perfect example. You know, he yeah. goes out there, smacks an Ibex. It's like, you know, I've got that done. And he says, Oh, you know, I was just absolutely blessed, you know, to have that opportunity. I'm like, my argument for that. And Ben will hate me for saying this was that, you know, he put himself there from all the stuff he's done before. Um, yeah. And there's quite a, you know, there's a number of bow hunters out there. The boys hit New Zealand, you know, chasing Absolutely. the tar and all that kind of stuff. You know, I know most of the world looks at those hunts and just say that's nearly nearly impossible with a bow. And and there's Aussie guys and many that I don't even know going over there and, and successful, you know, multiple times. Um, and I, it, it definitely comes back to to our opportunities throughout the year. I think. No, you're spot on and. And one guy that comes to mind because I know him better than I guess the rest of them is the same with Macker is that yeah. he spends more time hunting than 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 all of us would dream about and that's he he comes home he works hard he's a he's a professional roo shooter works his ass off and then gets away and goes hunting and um and because of his time and his you know just dedication to it he reaps the rewards and you know he, he's very humble and says oh I got lucky and you know whatever yeah. but it's just he's honed his skills and um, and just put in the time and the money and is just reaping the rewards from from all that input. So, yeah, hats off to him and, and other guys like him that are doing the same. Definitely, and there's just absolutely nothing you can take away from him because that man has just done it all off his back. And, and I can't wait to have him on. We're, I know we've tried to line it up there before, but work and those kind of things has got in his way and, and I, I'd, it'll be a privilege to have him on. So we'll um, I'll keep working on that to get Macker on. Yeah, now get into him. That's good, <laughs> mate. Um, obviously, you know you've done some traveling. We mentioned that, and uh, you've got a good buddy in over with Chad over in Alaska. And you know, watching you guys hang out is pretty funny. But you know, what um, have you got any big trips planned? Um, I know most of it was sort of just cruising around on holidays there um, on your last trip. But have you got any yeah. sort of hunts in that planned over that way? 
Yeah, so yeah, it was good to get over there. I was actually, we're actually going up. Uh, the reason I booked my flights originally were, um, he asked me to accompany him on a, on a polar bear hunt. So that oh. was the the reason the reason for the last trip. Neither of us were the hunter as such, but um, <clears throat> he's got a really good friend uh, up in one of the um, little reservations uh, up in I think northern Alaska somewhere that that their community or their reservation gets a certain, I think one, maybe two tags, polar okay. bear tag, um, a season to, 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 to hunt. Anyway, um, he was in contact with Chad and didn't, I don't think he quite had, uh, whether it was the resources or he wanted, he wanted Chad's help anyway. And, yeah. and, uh, so Chad, you know, asked if I'd like to go with him. I was like, Oh, bloody hell. Like, that's a once in a lifetime sort of opportunity to go and be a part of and learn. I guess I'm very foreign to the idea. I know that's probably something that's quite controversial to um, the wider community of um, populations around the world. It's like, oh, you wouldn't want to hunt a polar bear, but I'm very interested in learning about this stuff. And they obviously, um, these, these reservations that do it for a purpose. So I was like, yeah, I'd love to go and learn and watch and have the experience. Unfortunately, the weather um, didn't permit and and we didn't actually get up north. That I think there's a there's a big uh, ocean that or an inlet of an ocean that needs to have really really cold weather for a long time. Okay. Freezes over, and then the polar bears cross from where they they spend their I guess their summer months. Um, they cross over that ice bank into where they spend their winter months, uh, and they there's like um, walrus and whales and stuff that wash up dead. And the polar bears cross that that ice bridge to eat these whales and walruses, and that's where we're allowed to hunt. So we're in contact with the the I think it's Inguit um, up there. Yep. I think either Inguit or Unguit. One of them's a moose. One of them's a native uh, Alaskan so, um, Eskimo. But um, yeah, I think it's Inguit. Anyway, he um he just said, "Look, guys, it's not freezing. It's not freezing." So I booked a month up there, hoping that we'd at least get a window of a week to go. Um, but we never did, unfortunately. So, yeah, Chad, Chad didn't get up there either, even after I left. So it just oh, wow. never, never froze over. So, which is, they say, yeah, global warming and whatever up there. Which they said it's definitely getting warmer. So did they? Did they say if it, that had ever happened before? Um, no, I can't say. The, the guy said, like, um, the the guy that Chad was in contact with, like, it's a it's a sure thing. If if he if your Australian friend comes from um, I think it was end of January or whatever till the end of February. Um, have a month that month window. It's always frozen. Like just yeah, right. come go for sure. So we never we never actually booked our um, our small charter plane. Yep. We we're gonna wait to see what week we needed to book that. But um, yeah, we we're just up there sort of kicking around. We're having having a great time, having yeah, a laugh. It, it looked like it. <laughs> yeah. Having a good old time, he, he, we did a lot of fun things, uh, a lot of laughs. But yeah, we never got up to to see the polar bears, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. That, I mean, that would have been as much as you had an awesome experience anyway. But that that certainly would have been something. And once again, you know, it's just education. There's there's a lot more yep. to the, the the polar bear harvesting, and and it's something that, that certainly has to be done. But um, yep. it's um, yep. yeah, it's I, I get fascinated on all those kind of things, and you know, I think. I think the harder and rarer and all those kind of things it is, I think the more that I get intrigued about it. But uh, yeah, no, no doubt, I, I, there's nothing. Yeah, it's something that just drives me. Like it's just 
like just a beautiful, just beautiful places, the unknown things that, um, yeah, people don't get to see or do in everyday life. Like that's something that, yeah, I'm, really fascinates me as well. And you ask whether I've got anything planned, and no, no tickets are booked. But um, Africa um, has never, never been anything that's really um, stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Um, simply because of I've just seen, oh yeah, like they're hunting from a blind or whatever. Like it probably wasn't something that um, I wanted to. I really want to get over in North America for a start, hunt over there, and and see where I was where I was at but yeah now for whatever reason I've just got this passion just to get to Africa and and probably not really book anything but I want to go there for for maybe up to a month um take my bow have nothing planned um I've got a couple contacts um a a good friend of mine that I met over here he's from Zimbabwe um he I was teaching he's a young lad that was studying at a uni and I was actually uh, meeting my in Brisbane of all places through (laughs) Through football, he wanted to learn how to play footy. Anyway, his his dad's really high up in the Zimbabwe government. He's health minister, wow. and um, he, he invited me to come to Zimbabwe and go hunting over there, and him show me around Zimbabwe. So that's I wanna, pretty cool. Yeah, get over there, not have anything planned or booked, but just see where it goes. And if I get to hunt, I get to hunt. If I don't, and I just have some amazing uh african experiences of meeting people i have seeing obviously the wildlife um whether i'm allowed to hunt them or not but just to appreciate them and learn about um what's going on in africa with obviously there's huge problems with poaching and um you know things like that and and to to really hear it from the people on the ground i think um would be a pretty special experience so that's definitely the next next real big trip that i want to do is get over there for a good amount of time allow myself every opportunity to hunt i'd love to love to chase a, a cape buffalo obviously um with my connection to the buffalo family i think that'd be pretty special so for sure yeah that, that's probably probably what's next um as well as a trip across the the you know the ocean to, to new zealand would be very fun this year to do as well yeah definitely mate it's uh I know I still get uh, I still get funny looks when I say I haven't been to New Zealand yet, but um, yeah, we've I've got some plans in the works for for next year for sure. So um, I know there's a few boys hitting it pretty hard, and um, I think I think Macra and all that are heading over there in a couple of weeks, or maybe even there. Yeah, I think even this week, to be honest. I think I, cool I saw him, yeah, I, I bumped into him randomly a couple of nights ago, and um, he was said, "Yeah, one week, and we head over uh, Stewart Island again." I think they're going so. Yeah, um, they are. It's Stuart Island trip. Yeah. It is. That's yeah. I was talking to Benny Solaris the other night, and yeah, he seemed pretty pumped. So, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Last time they were over, um, I think Mac has been oh at least three times, three or four times to Stewart Island now, and he's getting it, getting it definitely worked out more and more. And last time he was there, he shot a great white tail. So I think uh, they've got it worked out with how many slabs of beer they can get in on the boat, and, <laughs> and they're going good old time in the huts at night, and then yeah, hunt. <laughs> And hunting nights and, oh yeah you, that, you can imagine it you yeah can imagine it. <laughs> definitely Benny, Benny Solaris will have his rum that's for sure oh no, you won't miss that that's <laughs> he's probably shaking his head right now when he listens to this but uh nah that's all good so wait when do uh when do you head north when's the season start for you uh I'm gonna I'm here on the farm the old man's uh been holding me down at the moment <laughs> flat out here on the farm and and i'll get away as soon as our seeding's finished yep. uh, which is hopefully going to be first week of june um i'll be able to get away uh, head north i want to do um a, 
the long way up to the Territory this time. I want to go up through New South Wales, through Queensland, and then come across uh, across through the Cape yep. uh, and do, do a trip through there. So um, go go the long way up there this time and, and take it all in, do a bit of hunting on the way, catch up with a few mates. And um, once I'm up there, I'll be up there for, I think I've got, I've got six weeks up there, then I'm going to come home for a little bit and then head back up so yeah sweet um, yeah yeah. let's uh if you get this far over mate uh within a few hours mate we'll we'll definitely catching up um you know somewhere along the line on your way up or 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 down mate so nah definitely mate and uh, i've got a few contacts up north you probably want to check out as well when you get up to the cape so we'll uh i'll keep you posted with them ones but um mate what's the best way you know, obviously, there's going to be plenty of guys that I hope are very keen to um, to talk to you about a buff hunt over the next couple of years. Um, what's the best way to contact yourself? Um, is it best to just to call you direct or email if you just want to let everyone know? Yep. Um, yeah. Give it. Yeah. Give me a call. Um, social media is obviously um, really easy these days. It can and even can answer some questions for people um, before they even get hold of me. They might want to check things out on social media. Um, before they even call through. So they're more than welcome to check that out, um, get in contact with me there and um, give us a call. Yeah, whatever whatever works for them really. But Definitely. And uh, got any bookings left for this year or you're out, you've booked out? Yep, I, I do. There, there's, a, there's a period of I'm working with um, a group from America at the moment uh, that they've got sort of swinging dates, which I can't, that can go. I've got people that can come either side of the swinging dates that I've got with this crew from America. So um, there are still availabilities at this point in time. Um, the dates are the dates are flexing, but um, it'll either be yeah, like sort of the end of June uh, or middle middle of July. I think they are. So okay, flex those two. But yeah, beautiful. Oh, that sounds awesome, mate. Well. Best of luck for the season, mate. I really appreciate your time, and I know we jumped in some, you know, a little bit of in-depth topics there, mate. But I, I really love the, the, um, you know, the take that you've got on them, you know, using your experience in in, in many different fields, and uh, and being able to share it with everyone, um, mate. I appreciate your time. No, mate. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be on here, mate, and obviously the platform that you've created for. Uh, bow hunters, yeah, around, the, around Australia, around the world to get on here and share stories and connect, mate. It's, uh, it's a credit to you, so well done. No, nah, cheers, mate. And, um, yeah, hopefully this keeps getting, I guess, bigger and better and, and we all, um, yeah, mate, we all stick together and I guess let us little Aussies get known a little bit more. <laughs> Absolutely, mate. No, nah, it was good, mate. Appreciate it, Craig. No, nah, thanks, Nick, mate, and uh, we will catch up soon. Sounds good, mate. Go, mate. Cheers. Hey guys, thanks for listening to another episode of the Hunting Camp Down Under podcast. Today's episode was proudly brought to you by Hoyt Bowhunting, Arrowhead Magazine and Abbey Archery. That's all for me this week. All the best in the hills and look forward to you joining me on the next episode of the Hunting Camp Down Under. Bye for now.